Good morning, Crucible Church, and welcome to another uh, recorded virtual sermon uh, as we continue on with our series in Luke. Well, due to the global circumstances that we're um, experiencing, uh, we as a church are taking our own responsibility of uh, making sure that we follow uh, our uh, local governments and uh, um, health authorities' uh, recommendations of social distancing. So hence, um, I hope that you're able to worship in your own space to experience God's um, presence and His uh, Spirit uh, through uh, worshiping through meditations, uh, through psalms and songs. I highly recommend to also uh, take a look at the YouTube videos that our worship leader that was scheduled for today, who is uh, Vivian Yearn. She posted some links. Uh, for some YouTube videos of the songs that she was about to lead today, that she was supposed to lead today. Uh, hopefully those songs will help you to uh, just have, create that worship space that you need to find solitude, to find peace and joy, and to remind yourselves, to remind all of us of who we are in Christ. So uh, as we continue on with our series in Luke, we are now embarking in the latter uh, passages of Luke. We are nearing the end. Uh, so let's get to it. Customarily, we start off with a video. So let's begin with a video. Tribune, pilot summons you. I'm yet sticky with filth. No matter, there's more trouble. Well, welcome back. That was a video clip from a movie called Arisen. So we are going to do something different this morning. Uh, many mornings when I preach, I prepare sermons with the goal to give you 
a point to take away, a point that hopefully reminds you of who you are in Jesus, where you're going in Jesus, why you are here in Jesus, and to encourage you to continue to run the race in pursuit of Jesus, i.e. God's heart. Hopefully, this point would also draw you closer to God and love humanity just a bit more than the previous week. I think we all need to do that in light of the given situation today. Today, though, let's do something different, but with the same goals in mind. I took out the various passages that have dialogue, and I would like to take you through some reflection of each portion. The goals remain the same, but the methodology is of preparation and prayer. Electio Divina. Good Friday and Easter weekend is coming, and this is a good time to begin our preparation of ourselves towards that weekend. These are the chapters that tell of Jesus' crucifixion, and therefore, just like we do on Remembrance Day nationwide, we narrate the story and reflect upon the story of Jesus' journey to Calvary. Let's begin. Luke chapter 22, verse 40 to 43 and 46. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours, be done. An angel then from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. That will be the key verse, key phrase throughout this entire passage that we're going to go into this morning. Pray. When we, wor when we worry or get anxious, do we resort to prayer immediately? What do we pray for? That the thing that makes us worried or anxious would go away? Or do we learn from Jesus and lean on God's will and trust that whatever transpires is according to God's will? Do we feel worried or anxious today? Do our prayers seem worried and anxious? Jesus says, pray out of trust. Pray earnestly to trust in God, and he will provide us with the strength to go through whatever that is making us worried and anxious. He will then send us an angel to strengthen and encourage us that whatever comes our way, we will be able to go through it. Not unscathed, but victorious in the end. That's very important because Jesus went through his crucifixion. He was strengthened by an angel, as it says, strengthened by an angel to not fall into the temptation of backing out of this whole crucifixion. And yet he still had the wounds from that crucifixion when he resurrected, if you recall. So it's not like we come out unscathed, like with no wounds, with no mental wounds, spiritual wounds, or physical wounds. No, we come out victorious in the end. That's what God will take us through. Jesus tells us, get up and pray so that we will not fall into the temptation of worrying and being anxious, of worrying so much and being anxious so much that we grow tired and weary of following Jesus. Pray and trust in the Lord, for he will give us strength. Next passage. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, 
cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is the hour when darkness reigns. Did someone hurt you recently? Did you feel justified to retaliate and want to hurt them back? Jesus says, don't. Enough of this. We are living in a time when darkness it has lost, and the light of Jesus and the new kingdom is breaking into this world. Do not let darkness come back and grab any valuable real estate of your heart. Jesus already journeyed into darkness when darkness reigned, and he conquered it at Calvary and through his resurrection. Jesus knows what it feels like to be hurt by others, betrayed by others, mocked by others, ridiculed by others. He's experienced it all, but he didn't retaliate, for he does not allow darkness to reign. The absence of retaliation shuts the door on darkness. But when we retaliate, we actually allow darkness to come in and consume our hearts. Let us pray. Do not fall into temptation of retaliation. Because when we retaliate, we will grow tired and weary of it, and it will allow darkness to come in. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Are we wondering if we're following Jesus at a distance or whether we're all in for Jesus? Then we ask ourselves this question. Who knows we're a, we are a Christian? Better yet, who should know we are a Christian? But we're afraid of telling them. Privately and only within his group, Peter was all in for Jesus, supposedly. It's very easy to do so, right? It's very easy to claim to be a Christian, a Christ follower, inside a church. It's quite easy to say we're a Christian and follow Jesus among followers of Jesus, but it's a whole other thing to let those in the outer circle know we're a follower of Jesus. What are we afraid of? Consequences? What are those consequences? Are those consequences, are those consequences worth more to avoid than to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? Because if we're not all in, we're not in. The servant girl and two anonymous strangers, Peter, Peter didn't know them or how they would react or respond if he answered truthfully. 
would they call out the guards to take him in as well and be crucified along with Jesus? Or would they just ignore and treat, treat this as a normal conversation? Or would they have inquired and become Christ followers themselves? Is Jesus then looking at us the same way as he looked at Peter today? Is he looking at us from a distance and seeing us following him from a distance, saddened by the way we behave outside our circles, claiming that we know him within the circles, inside our church, inside our, amongst our Christian friends, but afraid to claim that we are Christ followers outside of those circles. He's looking at us. The root, every time we deny Jesus, the rooster keeps crowing and Jesus keeps looking at us just the way he looked at straight at Peter. And the Lord turned to him at Peter. And we remember, and we would weep bitterly as well. Pray that we have the courage to speak about our faith to those who need to hear it. Pray to, that we have the courage to let people who we know need to know that we are Christian. Let us not fall into temptation like Peter did of denying Jesus outside of our circles. Let's move on. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. Going in the, with the flow is very easy. I personally went through many, uh, throughout my whole career, I went through many uh, temptations of going through with the flow of the crowd, especially with my colleagues, especially doing what my boss tells me and just say, well, my boss told me, so I claim no responsibility, no agency. Boss told me to do it, even though it's wrong, I know it, but I have to do it anyway because he told me to. And if I don't do it, I'll lose my job. And guess what? These Roman soldiers also felt the same way. I'm sure they do, because later down, one of the centurions says, this man is a righteous man. What have we done? And so they knew that Jesus was innocent. But let's face it. Let's blast up that to them for today. Today, it's very hard. Jobs are not easy to come by, right? It's hard to find a job. We have hot, and then our mortgages are freakishly high, even with the low interest rates. Uh, standard of living is high, it's hard to live, it's difficult to live, and it's expensive to live in the city of Vancouver. So, what's our natural tendency? Is to protect our jobs, if we have them, and make sure that uh, we keep them. Because, if you're like me, I'm, what, 40, about to turn 43? I'm old, compared in a career, in this line of career life cycle. And so, if I'm already here, and some young kid, recent grad from an MBA is here, and he's only in his 20s. And let's say that, uh, and then when he comes in with bright ideas and much more motivated and more, more energy and doesn't need to take a nap, like doesn't need to take a nap in the, in the, in the middle of the day, well, chances are, I, am, I fear that I would lose my job. Think of a Roman centurion. He has his job. This Roman guard, I mean, he's having his job. And he's and some young dude, more physical, more attractive, more energy, does not need to take naps in the middle of the day, and can last for 24 hours, 24-7 without any sleep. 
And here is this Roman, Roman guard who is 43, like me, and he's looking at this young dude coming into the pipeline. I fear for my job. So if I don't do what my boss tells me, I'll be out. And my family will, be, uh, will starve. Uh, my, I will be kicked on, out of the streets. My house will be gone. My place will be gone because I cannot pay my mortgage payments. The bank will repossess my place. All hell will break loose. And so it's difficult not to go with the flow. I'm sure many of us can relate with some of the Roman soldiers right now. But is that what a Christ follower should do? Because if you can see in this passage right here, this short little passage, going with the flow of darkness hurts others, hurts innocent lives. In fact, it hurt Jesus. Going with the flow of darkness, this is actually detrimental to our calling as Christians. We are to shine a light to darkness. We are to trust God that whatever happens is according to God's will. Our calling is to be obedient to God. Pray that we won't be tempted to go with the flow of darkness. Let's move on. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you would not believe me, and if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. You say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his lips. Are we truly listening to Jesus with a clean set of ears? Are we looking at him with a clean set of eyes? Or are we seeing him through our own expectations? See, do we want Jesus to say something of the affirmative today? Or do we or do something that we want? Or do we want him to do something we want? Maybe asking him for a blessing on a decision that we've made or we're about to make? Like, really, we're not giving him the choice. We're just telling him, uh, here's my choice. Bless it, God. It could be both professionally or personally. Has Jesus already answered us, though? But because it's not the answer we were hoping for, we justify it and make ourselves believe that he hasn't responded. Are we able to take no for an answer from Jesus? Or we are we just like the chief priests? Not believe that those words were from Jesus, even though Jesus said it. Believe that Jesus answers your prayers. Believe that Jesus answers your prayers, my prayers. But at the same time, believe that Jesus does not answer our prayers the way we want them to be answered. See, through my experience in my lifetime as a Christ follower, rarely does Jesus answer my prayers to the very detail of what I ask. Rarely does he actually answer my prayer the way I wanted to answer. However, throughout my whole experience and throughout my life with Jesus, he definitely answers prayers as long as I am, I am willing to listen. He may not answer the way I wanted to answer, want, me, want them to be answered, but he definitely answers as long as I'm willing to listen. Pray that you and I won't be tempted to hear Jesus the way we want to hear him. And pray that we will listen to Jesus clearly and keeping our eyes and ears open in humility.
Next passage. Now we're on to the next chapter. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. Lies number one. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar. Did he? No. He lied number two. And claims to be a Messiah, a king. He didn't claim anything. So that's lie number three. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea with his teaching. Lie number four. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. So many lies against Jesus. These chief priests and elders, they were stirring up rumors and false rumors against Jesus. How many of us had co-workers or family members spread rumors about us just because they don't like us? I had many times a few people trolling on the Facebook against me. I had people talking behind my back and, and spreading rumors as well. There are many times I want to scream at them or actually retaliate with equal amount of rumors against them. In fact, some of them are true and I could use it. But, I, but should I? Should I take revenge? Should I defend myself? Should I justify in saying I have the right to do this, to avenge, to take revenge and demand justice? Interesting that Jesus did not say a word here. He just said, whatever you say, you say. Why didn't he defend himself? Because he knew God's purpose for him. Knowing our purpose, knowing what God has for us, God's purpose for us, each of us, knowing full well what that purpose is, what the end goal for each of us are, or is, will help us to see these rumors, these accusations, clearly as to why they are happening. You see, when we see what's at the end, we will know why everything that's occurring now is happening. So pray that God will reveal his purpose for you and I and enlighten us of what actions to take. Because it is only when we know what's in the end, that's how we can react and respond correctly to what's happening today. So pray that we do not act quickly or crassly, but pray for wisdom. Pray that God will enlighten us on where we are headed. Where is that end? And in light of the end, that's how we respond today. Let's move on. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd uh, shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Wanting to re release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with a loud shout, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, crucified, sorry, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. Do you feel pressure to do something that you know is wrong, but because you're in the public eye or in your family's eye, you're impelled to do it? That if 
you do not do it, they will disown you or troll you throughout social media. What pilot sees in front of him was a riot. You see, remember that video that we showed, uh, that I showed to you, all of you? Buildings were being vandalized, pots and pans were all broken, stores being robbed, uh, graffiti everywhere, people trampling all over each other, garbage all over the place, and just absolute chaos. It's like a Vancouver riot, you know, after Game 7s. So every time when we lose a Game 7, there's a riot. Are you going to give in to the demands of the public, even though you know it's wrong, just to prevent future troubles for yourself? So, in other words, don't stir the pot because you don't want to see any shitstorms happening. In other words, to keep the peace, to not have future troubles, don't put a wrench in our lives because uh, we know that if we... If we do not give in, uh, then things will might happen, like shit might hit the fan. See, Pilot wanted order. He wanted to keep order. He had a face to save, and that was his. He had a butt to save, and that was his. And he knew that Jesus was an innocent man, but he was willing to sacrifice an innocent man, to crucify an innocent man, just to save his butt. Pray that Jesus will empower us to stand up against darkness and not to save our own butts, not to be concerned about our own butts, but to have the courage to not give in to the crowd, to not retaliate, to not, to not give in to the crowd just because of normalcy. Let's move on. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if people do not do these things when that the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? It's very difficult to love our enemies. The Jews back in Jesus' day hated the Romans for what they've done to them. The Romans took their dead, uh, identity away. Like, literally took their identity away. Uh, they abused them, they threw them into slavery, they took their children away for the fun of it, and taxed them severely to fund Rome's extravagance. It's very hard to love our enemies. Yet it's also hard to feel sympathy for our enemies, and doubly hard to pray for our enemies and cry and mourn for our enemies because our enemies don't know the consequences of their poor choices. Who wants to do that? However, Jesus tells the women to weep. Not to weep for him, but for what's going to happen to the Jews if they continue to rebel against God, which led to their destruction in AD 70. Are we able to mourn for our enemies? Do we care enough? Love them enough to be concerned of their salvation, their relationship with God, the consequences if they continue to rebel against God? Or are we tempted to just be apathetic and just say, hey, they've done wrong to me. Let them go off a cliff. I'm not going to tell them that the cliff isn't in front of them. Pray that we won't be tempted to be apathetic towards our enemies, but pray that we do not fall into the temptation of being empathetic, but to actually love them to care for them, and to mourn for them, to pray that God will give them an enlightenment, to have his spirit upon them, to open their hearts, to see what consequences are ahead of them, and that they would turn back, repent, and turn back to God.
Let's move on. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divide up his clothes by casting lots. Who's them? When Jesus said, forgive them, who is he referring to? May I propose this answer? Everyone who was listed above. Disciples who fell asleep in anxiety and worry instead of praying. Judas, the betrayer. Peter, the denier. The chief priests and elders, the liars. The lawyers, the mob who just followed the crowd. Pilate, Herod, the guards. Everyone who spat at Jesus and accused him. Jesus said, Father, forgive them all. Can we do the same for others if Jesus forgave us? Folks, we cannot receive God's forgiveness if we cannot forgive others. Why? First John says this, If we do not believe that forgiveness exists or forgiveness is available, how can we possibly receive God's forgiveness? In other words, John is saying, if you can't forgive others, it means that you've never been forgiven in the first place because you never believed it existed. Hence, the unforgivable sin. If you, cannot, if you do not believe that forgiveness is available, then how can possibly, you possibly be forgiven? And so there is this condition. We are to be able to forgive our enemies so that we receive forgiveness. Pray, then, that we do not fall into temptation of being unforgivable to others. Pray like what Jesus said, on the cross, dying, he said to forgive everyone who has led him to this cross, to crucify him, for they don't know what they're doing. Many of our enemies, many of people who hurt us do not really know what they're doing. Let us pray for them. Pray that God will forgive them. Pray that we will have the strength to forgive them, for we believe that forgiveness does exist. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. Don't you fear God? Or do you think you know better of what you need and desire? Do you think you can do better? Many of us feel that we have never sinned. Like we, don't, we don't sin as badly as other sins. But let me remind all of us. We sin just by the act of thinking that we know what's better for us rather than God. When we do what we want, when we do whatever we desire, for some odd reason, everything that we do has a consequence, both a positive, but unfortunately also a negative consequence. There always seems to be a zero sum. We experience consequences for every action and decision we make, whether it's for our own benefit, for somebody else's, there's always a cost and always a consequence. That's sin. That's a fallen world. Jesus died to free us from this cost, to free us from, this, from these things so that we will not be burdened by it, by our own desires. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, provided us with the access to the Father, God, for he is God. Remember, regardless of what we go through, 
If we trust Jesus, we can be assured that we will be with him in paradise. That throughout the whole time of our lives, whether it's through COVID or any other struggles that we have, when we pray that we trust in Jesus, that, that we say, your will be done, he will give us the strength to get us through it. He doesn't promise that we will get through it unscathed. He will promise us. He promises us that we'll get through it victoriously and we will end up in paradise with him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to reflect and to meditate on your word. We pray, Lord, that when we pray, especially in light of COVID-19, especially in light of anxiety and fear and anger and frustration and burden and isolation and in times when we feel that we're alone, we pray and uplift our prayers that to enable us to have the strength to trust in you. May you grant us your angels to strengthen us, strengthen us to trust in you more, strengthen us to find peace in you, strengthen us to find joy, but most importantly, strengthen us to show love to our neighbors and our communities in the best of our capabilities. Help us, O oh Lord, to not be suspicious. Help us, O oh Lord, not to be fearful. Help us, O oh Lord, not to be tempted to worry and have anxieties to a point where we are tired and we are following you. Give us the strength, Lord. Help us to trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for watching. Uh, till next week, have a blessed week.